Welcome to Believe in Baltimore, a podcast conversation with community leaders and change makers in Baltimore, Maryland, hosted by Govins Presbyterian Church. We're your hosts, Reverend Tom Harris, Senior Pastor at Govins Presbyterian. And Reverend Billy Klutz, Associate Pastor here at Govins. And we believe in Baltimore. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Believe in Baltimore. Today, our guest community leader is Precious Frailing. Precious is the outreach specialist, garden manager, and administrative assistant at Glenwood Life Counseling Center in the Woodburn McCabe neighborhood. And I know from experience that the garden is an amazing treasure, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. And this is, that was her, uh, her vision, her, her, her baby. And she does an amazing job, and we're look, looking forward to hearing about that. But she does so much more than the garden. That's just one of the things that she added to her, her great work at Glenwood Life. She's been there for about 10 years. And Glenwood Life Counseling Center is a nonprofit urban medication-assisted treatment program providing therapy, education, medication, case management, and recovery services to approximately 700 clients and their families annually. And Glenwood Life has been in continuous operation since 1971. It's a great local place that uh, provides services and help to those in need in our community. And Precious, we are so happy that you are here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Pastor Tom. Well, can you start out by just telling us about yourself and your work at Glenwood Life and what motivates you to do that work? Well, I am a mother of four, a grandma, uh, grandmother of one. I came from a small town um, in Trenton, New Jersey. I, I came, in, came to Baltimore in 2006, um, where my mother had taken sick. Um, and my time here, I came to find that Baltimore was a very big city that I wasn't used to. So much going on here. Um, but I also noticed in Baltimore that the disease of addiction rate was very high here. And I wanted to set out, I've always loved helping others. So that was one thing that I wanted to start doing was um, helping people who were striving with the disease of addiction. I actually came to find Glenwood Life because I was lost. I was looking for another address to another treatment program. And I just happened to stumble upon Glenwood Life Counseling Center. And when I stumbled upon you, I came in here to get directions and I can see the population here. Um, they were very friendly, but there was a need. Um, I started talking to someone here. They expressed that they needed peer case managers. And that's how I came to, to be here. The thing that motiv motivates me is the fact that I also came here, Pastor Tom, as a patient. Mm. I myself, I was struggling with um, opioid addiction. Mm. So I learned a lot as a patient here first. Mm -hmm. I would pray to God every day, asking him to please help me recover from the disease of addiction. Through my recovery process, I learned the correct and proper tools to recover. So what really motivated me was my own story that what I have been through, I didn't want to see anyone else go through what I was going through and how could I best help these individuals. Mm. 
things that I often yearn to have in my addiction process, someone that I can trust, someone that, that will believe in me. I wanted to be that person for those individuals. Mm. That's amazing. That's awesome. And isn't that a big part of recovery too, is uh, you know getting outside yourself and focusing on helping others? Yes, it is. That's what the, the literature states. You must freely give back what was given to you. Mm. Yeah. And God definitely blessed me, Pastor Tom, yeah. to be where I am today, to be the woman that I am today. Um, when I first came here, the woman that you know was not the woman who came here in 2012. Right. And you you started as a, a peer, a, as a client and then as a peer counselor, and now you're an outreach specialist. Is that right? Yes, I'm an outreach specialist. I am the administrative assistant. And I hope to eventually become a, a certified counselor. So it just doesn't stop there. I want to continue on on this journey. Great. And what do you do in particular as an outreach specialist? So being an outreach specialist, I go out and I work with the community, not just our um not just our patients that come here, but I work with the community, community engagements, I obtain resources for the patients here as far as uh, social service, uh, energy assistance, any kind of resources would, that will help them become self-sufficient again in their life. Um, we also assist them with going into inpatient treatment programs because we're an outpatient center. So we obtain those resources for them and their families as well. That, that's really awesome work. Thank you, Precious, for sharing some of your professional and personal story. One of the things we love to talk to people about is why they love York Road and the hidden treasures. And I've heard that the recovery garden is a hidden treasure. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, I can tell you a little bit. So one thing I, I I loved about your group were their hidden treasures before I even started the garden. Um, I met Miss Helene Perry and I found out about the golden forestry over there and I toured and it was so beautiful. After speaking with her and other community leaders, I came to find out that this area was considered a food desert and I went into a meeting with my other case managers and we decided that we would utilize the property that Glenwood owned by turning into a community garden. And with this community garden, we would be able to assist the residents with fresh produce. We would be able to assist the local food pantry, which is Cares Get Co. If they needed our services with our fresh produce, we would be able to give them some of that. Loyola blessed us to be able to go over to the farmer's market and sell some of our produce over there. So the garden has been in existence since 2016. In the beginning, we started out with eight raised beds. Today, we have 12. So the garden has been very successful um, with providing fresh produce to the community. And I'll tell you something, Pastor Billy, it's not just for this community. When we, when some of our patients come from all over the city, we don't look at what area they come from in order to service them. That doesn't matter to me. All that matters is that we're assisting them 
with healthy food. Um, and also we decided to do a small cooking class because we can grow the food, we can harvest it, but we needed to teach the community how to properly cook the food. So it's been a blessing to have the garden there. We've hosted uh, youth workers to work in the garden. We've hosted uh, some of the camps, some of the Presbyterian churches. And so the clients, they go over when it's in the summertime and they host, uh, they do their groups, their therapeutic groups over there. What really stood out to me was one group that they did was called Letting Your Addiction Go. Mm. And in that group, the group went over, they sat on the property, they brought padlocks, and they locked their addiction away on the fence, letting it go. And what really made me proud of them was because this graduating class, they recovered from the disease of addiction and they're still in their sobriety. And a lot of them, they come and come back and volunteer in the garden. Um, and they always say that the garden was a place that where they gained their sobriety. So that makes me happy. Wow, that's incredible. And the other thing we love to talk about and ask, and it sounds like you're a source of inspiration as well, is, is why do folks believe in Baltimore? You've shared some of that already, but is there another reason you believe in Baltimore? You know, I believe in the people in Baltimore. When I see the, the leaders in Baltimore um, with the sense of hope, happiness, I, we've been through a lot in Baltimore. We've been through riots and, um, you know, just so much with the Freddie Gray. And I've seen Baltimore recover from those things with people standing together and keeping that hope. And that that's what makes me believe in Baltimore. Amen, amen. Well, speaking of stories, so wonderful to hear part of yours. And at Govins, we really try to ground all the work that we're doing in stories, both the stories of neighbors and our own, and certainly stories from the biblical tradition even though we approach them knowing that they are stories too, right? That they can be pushed against and questioned, that we can say what we love and, and what maybe is not the best way to live life together. And so in each episode, we take a moment with our guests to read a Bible story and to talk about it, to say what we love, what we don't exactly love, what's confusing, inspiring. And so today we've got an awesome story to discuss from Esther chapter one, and Pastor Tom is going to read it for us. All right, so yeah, we're reading Esther chapter one, verses 10 through 22. And uh, it should be said that in, in some Bible stories, many Bible stories, uh, the, the characters are not always uh, the people that we want to imitate. Sometimes we hear Bible stories about uh, people who are not acting appropriately uh, and doing the right thing. And in this case, we have uh, somebody who's not and somebody who is uh, resisting that. It's a wonderful, rich story for that reason. So let's dive into it. On the seventh day, when King Ahasuerus was married with wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who attended him to bring Queen Vashti before the king, 
wearing the royal crown in order to show the peoples and the officials her beauty, for she was fair to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, convey the king's command that was conveyed by the eunuchs. At this, the king was enraged and his anger burned within him. Then the king consulted the sages who knew the laws. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen, Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus conveyed by the eunuchs? Then his advisor said in the presence of the king and the officials, well, not only has Queen Vashti done wrong to the king, but also to all the officials and all the people who are in all the providence of King Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen will be made known to all women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands, since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will rebel against the king's officials, and there will be no end of contempt and wrath. If it pleases the king, let a royal order go out before him, from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that so that in, it may be not altered, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus, and let it uh, let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdoms, vast as it is, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the officials, and the king did as his advisors proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, declaring that every man should be master in his own house. Okay, precious, what's your <laughs> response to that story? What stands out? What surprises you? What angers you? What challenges you? It definitely angered me, Pastor Tom. Um, my first response was, how dare you? <laughs> um, it, it really, you know, made me upset because I had to take a breath right there. <laughs> you know, the king wanted to put his queen on display in front of other men, officials that were drunk, um, belittle her, treat her as if she was, you know, really nothing, nothing, you know, not honoring her as his wife, not honoring her as the queen, and then he becomes so enraged with her. Um, it just, it reminded me so much of someone who is being abused. If, you know, abuse doesn't have to be physical. It can be mentally, just how he, what he's doing to her. He's belittling her mm -hmm. in front of all of these officials, everyone for everyone to see, and when this, when she doesn't, when she stands up for herself and say, "No, I'm not going to him. I will not be put on display. I will not be belittled," then he punishes her, mm -hmm. and, it, and it just makes me feel like, "How dare you? How dare anyone treat someone like that?" 
it's almost like what people, homeless people go through, people in addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're put on display so much um, by people who proclaim to love them um, and appreciate them and want to help them. And when not doing what people want you to do, they cast you out as if you're nothing. Wow. Yeah, those are amazing connections. And uh, I love the the kind of raw emotional connection you made with this story. I mean, this this is a a powerful man uh, who is behaving horribly. And we see throughout our society today, uh, powerful people, often men, uh, who are abusing their power. Yes, yes, abusing politics. Oh, right? This happened so long ago, but it's it's just as relevant today. Yes, yes. And being a strong woman as I am today, you know, um, no, believing that I can achieve all of my goals, it just it just makes me upset. To, to even think that someone would, you know, try to strip me of that, take that from me, treat me as if I'm not worthy or good enough. Yeah, I, I hear how much you're identifying with Queen Queen Vashti here, and let's lift her up too as uh, yes. as an example in this story, as somebody who resisted, her, who, didn't, who didn't bow or bend, uh, and at great consequence to herself. Yes, I mean, I was very proud of her, you know, how she stood up, how she became a leader, a role model, because the other women, the other wives, they're like, well, wait a minute, if the queen can stand up to the king, Mm -hmm. then we'll, you know, we'll stand up to our husbands. We can, we're strong enough to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, she proved to be a great leader and I, I was very proud of her. Mm-hmm. And I love how I love how that that the the men in power knew how dangerous it was that what Vashti was doing to their power. Um, you know, it doesn't come from Vashti to say all women are going to follow me. It comes from the the men in power who say, "Oh, we can't have this because that this is this kind of um, resistance to us uh, is going to be contagious, and other women are going to see it." Um, it's sort of uh, emperor with no clothes all of a sudden when they realize that if, if one woman stands up to them, uh, all their power could disappear. Exactly. You know, if, if this woman displayed that she can stand up, you know, these men felt threatened. They're like, you know, the king is like, well, she she's also belittled me because she did not obey what I said. And I'm the king. And if the wife, if his, if the queen can disobey the the king, then the king is thinking everyone will stand up and start disobeying me. Yeah, I, I love that the personal is political is, is literally in the Bible. <laughs> I love that as part of the story. And the other part that I that I hate that we cut out, and I understand it's kind of a long story, is that the story opens with all these series of banquets, and you know, so much drinking, there's so much partying going on. And in the midst of all the king's banquets, it says that Vashti had a, a party just for the women. And as I think about like where she got the strength and courage from, my mind always is like, what happened among the women that like encouraged her? What did they share? What did they talk about? 
And as we're thinking about the work that you're doing, that what Life is doing, I think that's one of those places too, where people are sharing stories and, and gaining courage together. Um, I'm wondering what, what else can we take away from the story for the work you're doing and the work that others are doing in, in Baltimore? Well, another thing that we can take away from the story, people, some people are often, and I'm, and I'm going to include myself in the beginning, I used to be intimidated by people in power. I was intimidated by people with letters behind their name, often feeling like, well, I, can I do this? I don't have this. Can I do that? I don't have that. And just know that don't be intimidated by people in power because you can do and be anything that you desire to be. You know, just keep that in mind and, and staying strong and you will prosper in life. Amen. Well, and the other part of this story too is because Vashti stands up, she makes a way for the next woman, Esther, to come come forward as well. And I think that's the other powerful part is when one person, in my experience, learns how to speak for themselves, to stand up, to claim their story, it makes way for other people to do the same thing. And, you know, Pastor Billy, I always say that when you're a leader, you lead by example. People will watch you, observe you, and they will mimic things that you do as a leader so you have to be very careful as to how you're representing yourself the things that you're speaking into existence because you can lead people in a negative way or in a powerful way you know so you have you you know you have to be careful with that can i make one more connection here uh and i think it's this is like a metaphorical connection or a spiritual connection. But I wonder if this could also be a story, metaphorical story about addiction and recovery, about resisting destructive powers in your life and helping others uh, to resist those powers as well. Could you, do you think that could be a connection? Yes, it, it definitely could be a connection, Pastor Tom. The thing about addiction and in, 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 in recovery is that those in addiction, they, they also feel the same way. You know, they feel like they are useless. You know, they, they're not good enough. Sometimes people are afraid of what they don't understand. And that's one thing as being an outreach specialist that I, used to always say in presentations, I understand individuals who have never been through the disease of addiction. They, some of them, they're just afraid of the unknown. And in times being afraid of the unknown, they will shun away those in addiction. And it's almost like before I start being the community specialist here and doing community engagements and having visitors come. The first visitor that came to the to the clinic was Second Presbyterian. And our clients were so much like surprised. Like, precious, who is that? Are they here to see us? Should we go upstairs? Because they had felt so 
long, so like, you know, they were at the bottom of the barrel and they were, they were not good enough to interact. Just like in the story, um, when the queen felt like she, you know, she was being put live on stage. Some of the patients felt sometimes like that, like, you know, are we being put on display just so these individuals can come and assist us? So I, I definitely can connect the story with the addiction and recovery. Uh, can we just give a shout out to uh, to Jen Di Francesco, uh, one of the local pastors who does uh, some great work with Glenwood Life? Yes, Pastor Jen is amazing. She she's also uh, leading one of our art groups here every Thursday at twelve o'clock. Um, you know, with the pandemic going on, a lot of the patients uh, have not been into the building. You know, are so we're just trying to get back to a little bit of normalcy, you know, bring some groups back, in-person groups, some Zoom groups and everything. So we're definitely grateful to to her for being a, a great supporter, just as well as you, Pastor Tom. You've been a great supporter to us, you know, with bringing us meals and just being a support, providing us, you know, with the grant. So all of you are great to us. We really appreciate you all. It's a partnership, and we, we we appreciate everything that you all do in the community. And, and, and Precious, for folks that are listening to this conversation, how can they get involved? What do you need from community members? Basically, you know what we, what we really need is we need support with coming together. Um, community coming to find out more about people in addiction and the recovery process. We need people to come, come and work with this population so they can heal, so they can recover. You know, a lot of people who come here, they don't come here with a support system. They come alone, they're scared and they're afraid. They don't have family, they don't have that support network. So that's where the community comes in, you know, it, it's, you know, they're saying it takes a village. It really does take a village. I am a living witness that people in addiction do recover. I'm celebrating 10 years this year. So I am a living witness that with the proper support and learning the tools, you will recover from the disease of addiction. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Actually, I do. One final thought I would like to, to, to leave everyone with is never forget that everyone needs someone. No one can do this alone. Amen. And we have to stick together. We have to we have to stay together to work hard to make this a better Baltimore. Well, thank you so much. Yes, really, Precious, really, thank you so much really, for sharing really. your story and, and your example. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Pastor Tom. Thank you so much, Pastor Billy. I really appreciate you all. That's it for this episode of Believe in Baltimore. If you want more conversations like this, make sure to rate and review us wherever you're listening to us. 
and subscribe. Tell your friends to listen to Believe in Baltimore on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or Radio Public. Likewise, we want your ideas. We want to know if you want to come on the show, your questions, your comments. Send me an email, billy at govinsprez.org. And stay connected to all the great things happening at Govins by visiting our website, govinsprez.org, and following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And while you're on the Govins Prez website, if you want to hear more about Queen Vashti, you're welcome to listen to my sermon on that as well. We'll have it in the show notes. And thank you so much again to Precious Frailing for uh, talking to us and taking that time and for the amazing work that she's been doing in the community for so long at Glenwood Life and in so many other ways. Uh, go check out Glenwood Life. Just stop in and say you'd like to talk to Precious and introduce yourself. See their amazing community garden. We're going to look forward to hearing, hearing you and talking to you and you hearing us on our next podcast. Uh, but until then, as you go from this place, may you see beauty every time you open your eyes and hear truth every time you listen. May we breathe every breath as a blessing and walk humbly upon the earth. And may we live in love for ourselves, for others, and for our enemies. And so may we live in the presence of God. Amen.